Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. So this needs a big cheer. Can we honour our mother of the house, Liz Perkins? That was great. Um, Oh, before I start, actually, today is um, a bit exciting for me because my parents live down south. They live in Melbourne. And I actually have my mum here today. Yes, and my dad. Um, But I'm very excited because it's not often that I get to spend Mother's Day with my mum. And I've actually, I've got a picture. Is there a picture down there of my mum when she's a little bit there? She is. That's her similar age to me, no resemblance, right? (laughs) At all. I thought she would be a bit horrified if I put a recent photo up there of her. Um, But mum, it's awesome to have you here and dad. But yeah, mum, just want to honour you today for being an amazing example to me and to our family. Love you lots. Bless you. Great. All right, before I get started, I'm just going to pray real quick just to get a moment with the Lord. Um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Thank you that you've already been at work today. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you have things to say. So Lord, I just pray that you would help every single one of us here to just grasp that thing that you have for each of us today, whatever it may be, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear. And Lord, I just pray that you'd use me this morning, that you'd speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Well, it is Mother's Day and often on Mother's Day, We kind of take time and reflect on what does it mean to be a mother? What do mothers do? What, how are they special? Things like um, they nurture and care for us. They feed us, they clothe us, they love us unconditionally. They teach us, encourage and support us, just to name a few. But just like we need our physical nourishment to feed and grow our bodies, we also need spiritual nourishment nourishment and guidance. So today, I want to look at the concept of spiritual motherhood. So first of all, there is a call for each one of us, if we are followers of Jesus, to impart into the next generation, okay? It's the first thing I want you to get today. Now, if you're a man in the room today, this doesn't mean that you get to switch off and go, I can have a nap because that's not for me. Because I just want to explain something. So you know in the Bible when um, it talks about sonship, how it's not actually about gender, it's about position, right? So we're all sons of God because we are co-heirs with Christ. We're his children, right? So in the same way of that, we can all be spiritual mothers and that's not about gender, it's about what we do, right? So just stay with me, okay? Good. You can still be masculine, okay? That's good. You can nurture in a manly way. (laughs) All right, let's jump in. So right in the early parts of the Bible, we see that um, just before the Israelites were about to cross over into the promised land, Moses gathered them and reminded them of all the things that God had commanded them to do. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to grab it out. We're going to jump through lots of Scripture today. So this is going to give you a good workout. But turn with me to Deuteronomy 6. It's towards the beginning. 
If you've got your phone, that's good. That's much easier. You can just tap a button. Okay, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 6. And this is uh, the New Living, actually. I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 9. A call for wholehearted commitment. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. This is a good bit. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. That is all the time. You got that? Talk about the Lord all the time. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So that's the beginning. That sets the scene for the message today. Um, In our world today, we are constantly bombarded with advertising, billboards, TV, um, images everywhere. And it's the world telling us, what we, what we should think, what we should wear, how we should look, what we should believe, all of this stuff, it is constantly being thrown at us. But the thing is, 99% of it is not actually what God wants for us. It's not what he has for us. It's not his desire for us. Just a reminder as well that the things that God does want for us and have for us are the best things for us. Okay, he's not the fun police. He's a good, loving God. He's always coming from a position of love and wanting what is best for us. So as well as the word of God, which we've just read part of, we need godly people around us teaching us, guiding us into God's ways. And we also need to be imparting into the generation after us. So this isn't limited just to our own families either. Um, Some of us don't have family who are believers who can teach us. Some don't have children to impart to. But this is the beauty of the family of God, the church, the body of Christ. We're family here and we get to do that here. Now, I don't want you to be limited to thinking about age as well. It's not just if you are this age, you have to impart into the people who are literally younger than you. Think about spiritual age as well. There are some people who are older in the faith than you. And like we need people who are more mature in the faith than us, right? Teaching us, showing us. And just like that, even if you are a young Christian, it doesn't mean you have nothing to offer. It just means that whatever you know, whatever you've gotten a a grasp of, pass that on. God has a desire to see the next generation raised up for his kingdom and his glory, but in the right way, his way. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are called to be a part of this. 
So today what I'm going to do, we are going to go on a big journey. We're going to look at some women in the Bible for some examples of spiritual motherhood. Now, I can't read every part of every story. So this may be bookmark where we are and go and read the stories later because they're actually amazing stories. There might be lots of other things that God might have to speak to you. All right, the first woman that we are going to look at today is Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was only a teenager when the angel Gabriel visited her. Some scholars think that she could have been as young as 13. She was engaged to be married and then her whole life changed. She became pregnant by the power of God and from then on she was caring for the practical needs of Jesus, her son, who was also God's son and the saviour of the world. So here are some things that I find inspiring about Mary. First of all, she was young, right? She was really young, a young teenager, and yet God had an assignment for her then and there. It wasn't, we're going to have an assignment for you, Mary, but it's when you grow up a bit more or when you're older. It was then and there. That can be an encouragement to you young people today. The second thing is she was willing to serve, After the angel Gabriel told her she was about to give birth to the saviour of the world, her words were, and this is from Luke 1, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She was willing to do what God was asking of her. The third thing is that she was focused on her task as a spiritual mother. Now, If you think about it, like, I think it would have been really tough for her. First of all, she has to go through the challenge of going to Joseph, who was who she was engaged to be married to, and be like, hey, I'm having a baby. Can you imagine how awkward that would have been for both of them? but, But people would have known. There would have been, like, shame. People would have been talking. Mary had to deal with that. That would have been hard. That would have been tough. Later on... Um, if you are a mother here and you have more than one child, imagine this. She just had the perfect child, right? And then she had other children that were not God. (laughs) That would have been a rude shock. Did anyone have the perfect child first? Yeah. Okay. So our, our first child, she was not God, um, but she was, she was the perfect baby. She ate well, slept well. She was chilled out. We thought, we've got this parenting thing. We are amazing parents. And then we had our second child. Now, we love her, but she did not eat well. She did not need sleep. And she had a lot of energy. And so that was a rude shock. I was so sleep deprived. I don't even know how we had number three. Anyway, so props to Mary. She was amazing. Okay, this next one. Listen to this. Mary knew who Jesus was and what he was called to do. Like she knew his position and calling, right? She knew what he was capable of. So when the occasion rose, she pushed him a little bit. She encouraged him to use his giftings. Mary was the one who instigated Jesus' first public miracle, the wedding at Cana. If you want to turn to John 2, you can read it there. And it says this, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there 
And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. I love this. Dear woman, that is not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. This is the bit I love. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. She was just like, Jesus, you've got this. And Jesus did it. Now, I'm not here to talk about the theology around that. But sometimes our job as a spiritual mother is to give the people in our care a little push. I think about my own life and the things that I never, ever would have done if somebody hadn't have believed in me first and given me a little push of encouragement. When I was 18, I moved up from Melbourne to Brisbane to start a business. Like, that is crazy. I never, ever would have done that without somebody, um, my mentor actually, encouraging me, calling out a gifting and saying, you can do this. So I did. I never would have led worship if another leader hadn't have believed in me first. And I certainly never would have planted a church without the encouragement and the affirming of others. We all need people to call out the gold in us and to inspire and encourage us onward. So what does this look like for you? For you, it might be as simple as affirming a God-given gift that you see in somebody, encouraging someone who you see serving. That little encouragement might just be enough to help them to say yes the next time an opportunity comes around. All right, let's move on. We are going Old Testament now. The next woman I want to introduce you to is Deborah. She was an amazing, powerful woman. Deborah lived in the time before um, before Israel had a king. And in this time, there were judges who were appointed to take care of the people. So we can read about Deborah in the book of Judges in chapters 4 and 5. Now, I'm not going to read any of the scripture. You can go back and have a look, but I'm just going to give you a snapshot of the story. So we know from scripture that she was a prophet, she was a military leader, and she was a judge. So she was leading spiritually, she was leading in a political sense, um, in like literally leading in battle, um, and also in matters of justice. She's described as a mother for Israel, and the children or the people of Israel looked to her for all of the leadership. Like, what a, what a boss lady. She's like the original triple threat. Now, one of the things that I love about Deborah is that she leads from the front, right? She also supports the people under her. In Judges, we see that Israel, they'd been oppressed um, for about 20 years by a particular ruler, and the Israelites were crying out to the Lord for help. And this is where Deborah comes into the picture. She hears from the Lord and she calls Barak to lead the charge against their enemies. And God's also assured them, like, you're going to win. God's given them the plan and, um, and said, yeah, you've got this. Like, I've got this, the Lord said. Um, Barak seems a little unsure because his response is, okay, I'll go, Deborah, but only if you come with me. She says, of course I will, but now guess what? You're not going to get the glory. The glory's going to go to a woman. You can read that story. But what we can learn from Deborah here is sometimes we need to hold the hands of the ones that we are leading 
in order for them to be empowered to do what they need to do. After this battle, it says there was peace in the land for 40 years. Pretty successful battle, I would say. So not only did she listen to God, she enlisted the help of the people she was leading and then she went into battle with them. She didn't just give the message and then go away and put her feet up. Her job was also to do the stuff alongside her people, encouraging them along the way. So I want to ask you, who are you cheering on along the way? For some of us, that might be one of our main callings to be cheerleaders, called to support others on the journey. All right, I have someone else from the Old Testament. This is Ruth. Again, I'm not going to read all of the story. I'll give you a little snapshot about Ruth. So there was a lady named Naomi and her husband and two sons moved away from their hometown uh, due to a famine, I think. And both of her sons got married um, to the place that they'd moved to and Ruth was one of them. Then Naomi's husband dies and about 10 years later, both of her sons have passed away also. So Naomi decides, there's nothing left for me here. I'm going to go home. And she invites her daughters-in-law along. One of them stays after much weeping. But Ruth decides to go back with Naomi, leave her family and where she was born and go and journey alongside her. Now, there are lots of complexities to this story, um, but it's totally worth reading. So go and read it in the book of Ruth. But in the end of the story, Naomi helps Ruth to find a husband and that's where we're going to pick up. I'm just going to read from Ruth 4, from verse 13. It says, So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became, became his wife. Oh, this, this is where it gets a bit raunchy. Um, when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. You weren't expecting that on Mother's Day, were you? And she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbour women said, now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. So here are some things to take note of about Ruth. First of all, her name literally means a compassionate friend. I love seeing the significance of names in the Bible. She definitely was that. She was loyal to Naomi. She didn't have to be. She could have stayed with her own family in her hometown and she chose to still serve her mother-in-law and go and be with her. And the Lord blessed her. The Lord blessed both of them. Ruth served and, um, and blessed Naomi along the journey and then when they got back to the hometown, she helped Naomi to birth her dreams. This is a big one. So... Naomi was left without anyone to carry on her family line, right? And so when Ruth um, was able to be married to Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, late husband, 
that meant that this child was going to carry on her family line. So Ruth literally gave birth to the child that would carry on Naomi's legacy. That child then played an important role in the family line of Jesus. Obed was the grandfather of King David, as it said in Scripture. So that was an important child. So, some questions for you. Is there someone God is calling you to walk alongside? Are there God-given dreams for somebody else that you can help them to deliver? You never know how significant it may be in the kingdom. Do you even know what the dreams are of those around you? I just want to encourage you too. You're not going to miss out by caring about the dreams of others. If God is calling you to play a role, he won't forget about you. All right, how are you going? Good? You ready to keep going? Okay, the next woman I want to encourage you with today is Hannah. Another lady from the Old Testament. We've got lots of Old Testament today. It's good. We find Hannah in 1 Samuel. And we read from chapter 1 that there is a man who has two wives, uh, Peninnah and Hannah. Again, I'm just going to summarise for you rather than reading all of the scripture. Peninnah has children and Hannah does not. Peninnah is a bit mean and pays out on Hannah, makes fun of her for not having children. And Hannah is just heartbroken. Her heart's desire is just to be a mum. That can be such a powerful desire, that one to be a mum. Every year they would go to the tabernacle to worship and sacrifice to the Lord as was customary. And this one year Hannah stayed and she prayed. She poured her heart out to the Lord. It says she was in such deep anguish that Eli the priest thought she was drunk. But she'd actually made a promise to God that if he gave her a child, she would give him back to the Lord to serve him for his whole life. So Eli the priest sees her and she explains what's going on and he says, oh, cool, go in peace and may God grant your request. So Hannah skips off happily. I think she was faith-filled immediately by Eli's response that it was going to happen and it did. She goes home, falls pregnant and gives birth to a boy who she names Samuel because she asked the Lord for him. All right, we're going to pick up reading in verse 24. It says, When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. And after sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. Imagine this. For years and years, Hannah had prayed and cried out to God for a child. She was so desperate to be a mum. She even promised that if God would answer her prayer, she would release him to serve God. Sometimes we do make promises when we're desperate, don't we? Well, the difference was Hannah kept her promise. She took him to the temple to grow up there and serve the Lord. That would have been so hard, that one thing that she just longed for and she had to go and release him. 
Now, it says that when the child was weaned, and so back in those days, children were weaned somewhere between the ages of three and four. So she had him for a few years. Imagine what that would have been like, talking to him about it. Samuel, one day you're going to go and live in the temple and serve the Lord all your life. That would have been so hard. But look what God did and how he used Samuel. Samuel became a mighty prophet of the Lord and God used him to lead his people. He was actually Israel's final judge and he was the one to anoint the first ever king over Israel. And then he got to anoint King David after that as well. I once heard motherhood described as one long, drawn out and painful breakup as your children grow and gradually become more independent, especially for, like, mums of boys. Motherhood is one job where, if all things are going well, one day you're going to expect that your children will actually move away and no longer need you. Like, the whole purpose is to make yourself obsolete. You do this by strengthening, encouraging, gently pushing, and then one day fully releasing them to be everything that they were created to be. Hannah did this really well. Here's what I think we can learn from Hannah. First of all, she was faithful to her word. She bargained with God, but when God answered her prayer, she kept up her end of the deal. So if we say we're going to do something, we need to stick to our word or we need to be more careful with the promises that we make. Now, she looked to God to be her strength. You can see in chapter 2, there's a whole prayer of praise and she acknowledges God as her strength. So what does that mean for us? The things from Hannah. Sometimes those that we are investing in might need to be released to go somewhere else in order to be prepared for what God wants them to do. We have to be prepared to do that, to do the releasing. Sometimes God might call us to let go of something dear to us or someone. We have to be prepared to say yes. But be encouraged. If God is asking that of you, it doesn't mean the relationship is over forever. And also... We know that if it's God's plan, that it's good. All right. I've only got two more left. Two more examples of spiritual motherhood that I want to share with you today. These are from the New Testament. And these are two names that you may not have even ever heard. They only feature for one or two verses in the entire Bible. Their names are Lois and Eunice. Now, I know sometimes Eunice, the Greek, can be... um, pronounced Uniki. Um, I'm going to say Eunice just because I'm Australian. Um, We see Lois and Eunice mentioned in the book of 2 Timothy, a a letter that was written by Paul to Timothy. Um, Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. So in 2 Timothy 1.5, it says this, I'm filled with joy as I think of your strong faith That was passed down through your family line. It began with your grandmother Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother Eunice. And it's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. I think most of us are here today because somebody has shared their faith with us. Unless you were dragged here today. We bless you if that's you today. 
But I think most, most of us are in church because of somebody sharing their faith, imparting that to us. Have a think about the people over your lifetime who have encouraged you spiritually, those who have shared their faith with you. Please don't underestimate the value of what these women did, even though their accomplishments seem small. You see, Timothy, we know from other parts of Scripture, he became a prominent missionary and evangelist, travelling, teaching and sharing the message of Jesus in the early church. I think it's worth noting as well that Timothy's mother, um, Eunice, was Jewish. However, his dad was not. His dad was Greek. So that meant they didn't share the same religious beliefs. And yet Lois and Eunice had a profound effect on Timothy's beliefs and he became a follower of Jesus. So who are the Loises and the Eunices in your journey? Now, amazingly, Dan literally has a Lois and I literally have a Eunice from our families who have passed things down to us. I think I've got a photo of Lois. Yes, this is Lois. So Dan's grandmother, Olive, she passed away before Dan was even born. And Lois was Olive's sister. And she kind of stayed close to the family. She was a follower of Jesus, a faithful follower of Jesus, never married, never had her own children. But she encouraged, she kind of took on that role of spiritual grandmother with the grandkids. She would send devotion booklets to Dan what, like every month, they would come regularly, he probably threw them away, but she faithfully did that for years and years and faithfully prayed for him. And it wasn't until later on, probably in his early 20s when he became really serious in the faith, that he realised the impact that she had had on him. She's with Jesus now, but we, we're thankful for Lois, great old Annie Lowe. My own grandmother's name is Eunice. I've got a photo of her, that's my grandma and grandpa. That is my mum's parents. They served the Lord. He was a pastor and she was a faithful pastor's wife. She was also an incredible singer. She, um, She was actually asked to train with one of Dame Nellie Melba's students to become an opera singer. And she declined to stay in ministry and marry my grandpa instead. Now, she passed away when I was young, so I don't have memories of conversations with her. But what I do have is that I know that she encouraged my mum. My mum fell pregnant with me in a bit of a surprising way. Later on, when she was a little bit older, that grandma recognised that there was probably something that God had for me. And that's why I was here. And that's actually been an encouragement for me. Who are you imparting your faith to? Who are you encouraging spiritually? Who are you noticing the giftings and calling them out in people around you? Now, if you're not doing that at the moment, that's okay. I don't want you to feel condemned today. But it's not too late to start. If God is working in your heart and in your life, then you have something to share with others. So be encouraged today. 
I just want you to take some time now and just ask God to bring to mind maybe somebody that you could pray for, someone that you can share your faith with. Say, Lord, who are you wanting me to invest in? Because he'll speak to you. Team, you can come up now. Now, when I look at all of these women that we've talked about this morning, I see a few things that these spiritual mothers had in common. And you know what? They're actually nothing special. They weren't massively gifted. They weren't massively wealthy or powerful necessarily. They simply trusted in God. They brought what they could and they were obedient to the things God asked them to do. None of these things require special abilities. Anyone has the ability to do those things if they choose. The other thing that a lot of them did is there's a count of them responding to God in praise and worship. They acknowledged God for who he was and they worshipped him for it. Can you imagine the impact if every person here chose to invest in and impart to the generation after them? Imagine how well-equipped and courage-filled our next generation could become with the support of all of the previous generations. I'm just going to read to you, um, read over us actually, from Psalm 78. Because I feel like it just brings um, the heart of today's message all together. So I'm just going to read it over you. You might want to close your eyes. Psalm 78 says this, My people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel. And He commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God. They would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. We're going to worship in a moment, but I'm just going to invite you to stand. And I just want to pray a blessing over, over you all this morning. And then we're just going to respond in worship, just like those women in the faith did. Will you pray with me?
Well, Lord, I thank you that you're here. And today I just bless those who are already mothers, Lord. Equip them with everything that they need. Give them courage and strength. The ability to hear your voice, Lord, and to follow it. In Jesus' name. I bless those who feel called to spiritual motherhood. I bless those who are called to be like Mary or Deborah or Ruth or Hannah. I bless all of us, Lord, to be equipped to pass on our faith like Lois and Eunice, God. We thank you for those who have imparted into us and we bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to trust you more. Help us to offer what we have. And Lord, help us to be obedient to everything that you're calling us to do, God. Help us to recognise where you're at work. Help us to see in people what you've placed in them, God, and call it out. Help us to love unconditionally, Lord. Help us to nurture one another. Help us to care for one another, God. Help us to show kindness and mercy, Lord. Help us to receive all of these things from You first, God, so we have something to pass on in Jesus' Name. Jesus, we we just acknowledge who You are as King of kings and Lord of lords, and we worship You here this morning, God. We worship You from our hearts because of who You are, Lord. We acknowledge that we need Your help, God. We do this in Your power and Your strength and for Your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.